edition of the Crosstown Baseball Show. I'm your host, Anthony Shula. With me, as always, is uh, my friend and host, Anthony Romanelli. Anthony, we're back. It's another week. We're doing some more um, division previews. How are you feeling? I'm doing well. Yeah, feeling good about it. Feeling good about it. We... um, we did the AL and NL East, or excuse me, the AL and NL Central uh, last week. This week, we're moving on actually to uh, to the East, and we're going to talk about the AL East and the NL East. And uh, we're doing this, folks, because spring training training, if you can believe it, is a mere three weeks away now. Yep. And um, with the new uh, balance schedule here in Major League Baseball for the first time ever, each MLB team will play the other. MLB team. So it's a very uh, unique time uh, in, in, in the sport where you're not playing your division rival, you know, 17, 18, 19 times, um, and you're playing everyone else around the league, which I, I don't know about you, Romanelli, but I, I like that a lot more than the playing your division opponent, you know, 60% of the time. Yeah, um, it's good for the game. It really is good for the game uh, for all the mistakes that uh, Manfred makes. Uh, I, I think this is a good one. I couldn't care less about the pitch clock or the bases being bigger. Um, I think it's it'll be fun for teams like the Cubs to play teams like Seattle, a team you would never, ever get to see otherwise. Um, so I'm excited about that. I, I downloaded the schedule just the other day and they're playing Seattle on a cup and well, they're playing everybody. So um it's just it, it's exciting for baseball. I'm glad that they've done it. I really am. Yeah, and it's I don't know about you. I one of my <laughs> goals is um, to actually get. I'm sure yours is too to get to every ballpark over the course of your life. And I, I it, it makes this a lot easier because if I'm going to another ballpark, I would love to see the Sox play in those ballparks. Right, and if I know that's going to happen, well, that's that's great. It makes it easier for me to travel to other parks. Remind me, I'll, I'll count after we're done with this, but I think I'm at about 15 or 16 parks that I've been to already. Okay, that's interesting. I, I think yeah. I'm, I actually think I'm almost up there. I think I'm about 12 or 13 myself. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to, that's another episode right there, just like kind of rating uh, our, our favorite parks that we've seen. So let's put a pin in that because that'd be a good that, thing I like that about. idea. I like that idea a lot. A lot of good parks out there. Um mm-hmm. Excellent. So let's just dive into it, folks. Like we did um, last week, we're going to do this in two parts today. Well, number one, we're going to go through the AL East first, and then we'll venture off into the NL East. We're going to talk about kind of where these teams fell at the end of 2022, and then we'll talk about uh, some of the additions that each team um, had made for for 23. Um, as a reminder, these are just the moves that these teams are have made up to now, right? I mean, we're still in getting into February here shortly, spring training's a couple weeks away. You know, you see these teams make some last minute moves, minor league invites, minor league signings, what have you. So um, this is kind of what it looks like right now as we kind of paint the picture for what our teams are going to be facing both in the AL and the NL. Um, So let's start with the AL East. And I will say going into this conversation today, (laughs) I was very excited about talking about the East and quite frankly, the West too, because there's some really exciting teams. I think it's no secret that the, the central divisions are, are, are duds right now. Um, yeah. If it weren't for our teams, they would be quite boring. Yes. Um, and when I look at these AL, the ALE standings, I'm immediately brought to the very top with the Yankees. The Yankees won that division uh, last year, winning 99 games with a plus 240 
plus that, 240 run differential. That blows my mind. Yeah, that's that's what is it? Uh, Toronto and Tampa Bay combined are only at, I think, 150 uh, <laughs> uh, plus differential. So that's just insane. Uh, Daniel Tosh, the comedian, though, uh, has has referred to as the new Yankee Stadium as a joke because it's so small. Um, and for a guy like Rizzo to hit as many home runs as he did, that's not – that's because his his swing is perfect for that tiny right field front porch. Uh, that run differential is ridiculous, though. Uh, it, it is. Yeah, they, they, they should have won it all. I mean, you win by that many, you should just automatically win it all. You, well, that's we'll why they play the games. Right, right. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second because there's so much going on with that team. It's worth the discussion. But they did for all for all their awards, even though they hit the ball. We'll talk about this. They did win the division. And and one thing to know is as we get into, into second and third place in the AL East here is the East divisions had two wild card teams for each league. So yep. the Blue Jays came in second, winning 92 games, got a wild card spot. Tampa Bay Rays, third place, 86. They got a wild card spot. And then, um, you know, rounding out the bottom, the Orioles had a surprisingly solid season at 83 wins, um, only a negative 14 run differential. And then Boston Red Sox, they came in last place, uh, winning 78 games, going 78 and 84. Now, here, here's what I'll say with, with the AL East division standings. Two things to note. Number one, you can tell how strong this division is when you have three teams making the playoffs in the division. And yep. two, can we just note that the Red Sox came in last place in this division, winning 78 games, the Cubs won 74. Right. Perspective. It's ridiculous. That's how strong the the, the East actually is um, and how bad the uh, NL Central is. Um, that I would not – Speaking of, when we get to, well, since we're talking about them, I know we haven't gotten to players just yet, but I am still baffled why Justin Turner, I know it's all money. That's why he left. Why would you leave the Dodgers to go to a last place team in Boston to think that you're going to make that much of a difference to make them go from worst to first? That's not the division I jumped to just for money. Uh, I'm still, I, those guys have enough money to last, you know, generations already. And the mm -hmm. fact that they want to uh, leave winning teams and winning divisions uh, just for the money is, is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean that you bring up Justin Turner specifically, and that's a great example. It makes me wonder, honestly, if the Dodgers really wanted to have him back. I mean, you bring up the great point. Why would you leave? kind of starting to wonder if he didn't really have a choice. I mean, the, the Dodgers, and we'll talk about them more next week, but they're a team that has kind of a – their infield is is full at the moment. I kind of wonder if he if he didn't have a choice, which would make more sense, and I think I think in our minds. Yeah, I, you may you bring up something that maybe I hadn't thought of. Um, I, so I don't know who's even playing third base for them now or who will be, but uh, we'll take look at that later. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But yeah, so uh, that the East division is just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. I, I would not, I would not want to be one of the teams, you know, 
imagine being like the Oakland A's who might win 20 games if they're lucky uh, this upcoming <laughs> year. Um, I just looked at their odds. It's something like, if you know, 100 to, I don't know, it's like 100 to 1 or whatever to win the World Series. If not higher, like a thousand to one. It's got to be higher than that, right? Yeah. Well, you bring up kind of my next point in that if if what makes this division interesting to me, and of course I'm looking at it, so I'm talking about the AL, looking at it from the White Sox perspective, is I, for the Cubs and the Sox, they're both in the same boat. Where is the goal to win the division? Absolutely. Is the goal to get in the playoffs? Sure. But the problem is. I need to see these teams be able to stand up to the likes of the Yankees and the Blue Jays. And this division alone, when I'm looking at the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays, all very good teams that have track records over the last three to five plus years that they're consistently making the playoffs, whether it's, I don't care if they're ridden with injuries. I don't care if they have a couple bad starters, have a bad year. They are always there. And, and our teams have not mastered that consistency yet. Like these teams know what's wrong with Chicago sports as a collective whole. We're one of the top five cities in the in the country, and we can't find consistent ways to win in any sport. You had you had a mini dominant uh, set of years with the Blackhawks. Now, when you had when you talk Michael Jordan's Bulls, that was that was otherworldly. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, that's it. That was otherworldly. The same way with the Patriots and Tom Brady. That was other. That outside of that, though, the Yankees still always win. The Cardinals somehow still always win. All these teams always win. And again, the Cardinals are still they're just a mid market team, but their player development and everything else um, is impressive. And Toronto keep, has been winning for a while now. Since uh, Junior has shown up, they've started winning. Um, and it's, and I'll, I would give anything to be a fly on the wall in the, the Tampa Bay, uh, war rooms for lack of a better term, uh, how they continue to develop and make the playoffs year after year. That's a, again, it's still a newer franchise. I wouldn't consider them new anymore. Um, but they do all the right things. They just do. Yeah, I mean they they seemingly do, and I want to, and I don't want to, I want to give them credit for it, right? And there's just part of me that you know when I look at what Tampa Bay specifically has done in the last few years, they're the type of team that they re- really rely heavily on their development team, and they're not one to sign players to big bucks. I mean, obviously they gave Wander Frank, uh, Wander Franco, that huge thirteen fourteen million dollar deal, but other than that. Right before they get through their arbitration years, they often let their players, you know, trade them off. They did that with Blake Snell. They did that with a number of other guys. And, and like, at what point does that just wear off? Like, at what point does that just not work? I got to think it's coming soon for them. I would think so, too. Um, I equate uh, the Pirates, the Royals, um, for a long time the Rays as MLB player development teams. And as soon as they got good, boom, they were gone. Um, And so, but Tampa Bay keeps hanging around. And if you look, yes, third place, but they were still a plus 52 run differential. They made the playoffs again. Uh, That front office just knows what they're doing. 
they just do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, proof's in the pudding. So we'll yep. see what they do next year. I mean, as far as things look now, I mean, very, very, very big chance that they're sustainable. You know, what I, what I do want to talk about, you know, before we leave the standing uh, screen here is, um, I want to talk a little bit about these Orioles. I think you and I have had kind of offhand comments about how just very surprising this team was last year. And if there's any team I'm excited to watch in the AL other than my White Sox, it's this team. I would agree with you. Um, I went and saw them when they played the Cubs this past year. And they were on, I think, an eight or nine game. The Orioles were on an eight or nine game winning streak at the time. And that's when I was like, oh, they, they could catch Tampa. Yeah, catch Tampa, and they were, and you could see every every player was kind of just puffing their chest a little more or running a little harder, and the Cubs yeah. were deflated um, because they were playing a team in the Orioles that had won eight or nine in a row at that time, and the Cubs hadn't you know done anything last year, the last two years, but last year specifically when they they played the Orioles, that game was fun to watch with a pair of Oriole glasses on because they were they were running on all cylinders. I they am, were. I, yep. I am excited to see what they do this year. If yeah. they can turn their run differential around just a little, look, that's a three-game difference between them and Tampa. And maybe they make the playoffs and Tampa falls. Yeah, well, I'm, kind, I'm kind of rooting. They're my – they're my – I'm going to be watching them from the outside team. They will be. Yeah. Yeah, that no, you you said it perfectly. You said you know they're three games behind Tampa, and that could be the difference next year. And I mean, quite frankly, that three games was that three game gap with the wild card. I mean, they were three games out of the wild card. You imagine if the Rays just slip a little bit, and, and the Orioles can maintain that trajectory, they can find themselves in a playoff spot. And if you look at that roster too, like this is a roster of first off, very young, kind of first couple picks in the draft guys that are finally hitting the majors. Adley Rushman, that catcher is bound to be kind of one of the best catchers of baseball over the next five to 10 years. Yep. You have Gunnar Henderson, that their number one prospect shortstop, who's going to be uh, making his major league de debut this year. No doubt about it. No, yeah, um, no Cedric doubt. Mullen, Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle. If you've never heard of these guys, look them up because they had impressive seasons last year, those that played in the majors. And these are all young guys. They're all sub-26, 25. Um, I mean, they can be set up to be um, to be a really good team for years. But, but again, here's the problem. They're not in the central divisions. They're in a division with the Blue Jays, the Yankees, and I, it's it's almost like if I'm an Orioles fan, I'm going, great, we're good, but Jesus, this tough. Like, how the hell are we going to do this in this division? Right. Yep. As a as a you know mid to small market team, it it's impossible. But uh, being a you know a Cubs fan my whole life, rooting for the underdog underdog my whole life, man, am I rooting for them so, for to just just get in? You know, that should for teams like Baltimore, for teams like. Uh, maybe even the Cubs this year. I know we're not talking about their division, but just get in, figure out a way to get in, and then and then see see what happens. And well, but that I, that that's key though, because you know when the when the playoffs expanded and um, included you know two more teams essentially from each from each league, we've seen it the we've seen it last year with the Phillies. They had the they were the the lowest seed in the NL made it to the World Series, 
all all rules all there are no rules once you get in right anything can happen and so i know that you and i, I we're kind of going to contradict ourselves here in a second but i just said earlier hey if the cubs and the Sox get in i don't know about their competitiveness against these other teams and while that is true to a degree it can also be true that once the cubs and the Sox get in it's possible it is possible um if they if they run on all the right cylinder cylinders if if Bellinger plays out of his mind to get his bigger money for a, another two or three years somewhere else because you know he's not going to be around long you mm -hmm. know he signed the one year uh so so we'll see it'll it'll be really interesting um I am curious I know they've mentioned this in the past and this is a little aside uh but the idea of additional travel I remember uh. there being issues with like after the Cubs had won, you know, they were talking about all the travel that they had to do, like, like the year following, like they, they, they were the team that traveled the most or one of the top three teams that traveled the most or whatever. And they yeah. used that as, as an excuse. I'll be curious with us, with every team playing every other team, how much travel, how much that will make a difference in how managers manage with days off, with travel days, um, I am real curious. That's an interesting point. I never really looked at it from that perspective, but I, I mean, yeah, you're, if, if you're, if you're, um, going to the West coast a little more, that's yep. a hike. I mean, yep. that's completely reasonable. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about before we talk about kind of the, the impact additions that these AL East teams made, let's talk about the Red Sox because I just am totally befuddled for lack of a better word at what has come of that team. And I still trying to piece it together in my brain, if I'm being honest. Uh, I same, I think that they have lost their direction. They have no true leadership. I think management doesn't know what it's doing anymore. I think, uh, I don't know if the players don't want to play there anymore. I don't know if, if they're, if their drive is there anymore as a team, I don't know. They, but they just did not look good. Even though, no. you know, even they, yeah, they didn't even break 80 games. They, there's, they weren't fun to watch. They weren't talked about very much, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't see them, I don't see them not being in the last place again. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I, and, I just don't. The way the Orioles, how they ended the year, Tampa again, Toronto again, the Yankees, like, come on. If you look at those top three teams, you've got, what, 240 and 140. Oh, my God. Just run differentials just between those three teams. And how is Boston going to even compete? I don't see them even competing this year. No, I don't either. And and I kind of want to re revisit them as we talk about um, the AL East editions here. So why don't we tran transition to talking about that and talk sure. about kind of line by line here, kind of what these teams added um, over this offseason thus far. And so we'll start obviously going first to fifth. We'll start with the Yankees. The Yankees really made one impact edition. Old friend of mine, Carlos Rodon. Um, I mean, the I was bummed when the Sox let go of him. I know they don't want to pay him all that money. He obviously signed um, a short-term deal with the Giants, went ahead and now signed with the Yankees, making, you know, 
ton of money, but I think it's about end up being 25 or 26 million a year. Yeah. Um, that's what the Yankees needed. If they needed anything, they just needed to stabilize their pitching. And what better guy to do it than a hard throwing left hander in Carlos Rodon? Yep. I would completely agree with you. I think once they got judged to sign the dotted line, everything else was almost a foregone conclusion. They needed that one additional solid pitcher. They got it in Rodon. Uh, again, it looks like they'll probably run away with the East just based on the strength that they continue to have. Um, it's, you know, been that way our entire lives. <laughs> the Yankees have, have always competed. Um, and I see no reason why they don't not only compete, but win the division running away again. Okay, I'm, I'm going to pause for a second. I have, a, I have an existential baseball fan question for you because I think about this a lot with the Yankees. What would you rather have? Would you rather have 15 losing seasons and one of those, one of the 15 is a World Series win or that you know is locked in, guaranteed, you know one's coming, you just don't know when? Or would you rather have the Yankees where you know your team is going to get in the playoffs 15 straight years and there's like a 50% chance you win maybe two or three World Series? Because this is what this team is. They, they're they at the playoffs, but they this this these fans are still they, – they haven't had enough. They get the playoffs every year, but the Yankees can't pull off a World Series win. They haven't for some time. Which one would you rather have? Um. Again, because we are talking about the Cubs and Sox on a weekly basis and, you know, born and raised with the misery of being Cubs and White Sox fans um, from birth, uh, the euphoria that I felt for that one win, I can, <laughs> I can still tell you exactly where I was standing when Rizzo caught the last out, I could tell you exactly where I was standing. I was less than a foot from my TV. I was less than a foot <laughs> from my television. And then I screamed and I dropped to my knees. And and that type of euphoria is legitimately once in a lifetime. That was that was a bucket list item of which I had zero control over. Would I rather have that than being that close like the Yankees all the time? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> That's a tough question. And, and Hey, and I didn't expect a clear answer, but it, I, I pose that question because I want everyone to understand, and it's important for us to understand that, yes, I agree with you. The Yankees are most likely to win this division. I put my money on them. But it is not a sure thing. They've gotten to the playoffs year after year after year, and it's been a while since they've won a World Series, and they can't seem to get there. So if I'm a Yankees fan, I, I understand because I, I'd be frustrated too. Like it's almost like it's almost a tease, if you will, to get there every year and still not be able to, to win at all. Yeah, um, it, it is a tease because it's, it's almost as if the – I don't want to say true Yankees fan because a true Yankees fan is going to watch them all year. Uh, but your sideline Yankees fans won't start watching until the playoffs even begin. Like they won't yeah. watch any part of the season. Then they'll pick it up right near the end 
maybe the last two weeks just to make sure they get in and then jump on the bandwagon like everybody else. Um, Correct. So that part I don't like uh, as a true, as somebody who is a true fan. Um, I can say with complete honesty, I was a Walter Payton fan growing up. Was I a Bears fan? I was a Walter Payton fan. So to watch Walter Payton as a child and then finally watch him get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl and be super excited for him was, again, ultimately once in a lifetime because the Bears have – they went no six, but they didn't win. Um, yeah. But I don't make it uh, – I don't watch them every Sunday. I'm not, I'm, I'm a Bears fan. I'm a couch Bears fan, kind of. Um, but I would consider myself, you know, like over here as a Bears fan, um, even though I've lived here. So it's it's hard to be a Yankee fan, I think, and not be all in. I think it's part of, it's almost like a bloodline thing. I'm guessing if, if your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents were Yankees fans, that's, that's I mean, that's how it happened for me. As yeah, a Cubs, as a Cubs fan, uh, especially having been born on more on the south side than the north side, I should be a, a Cubs fan by birth. So I think all these Yankees fans expect that because it's all they know. The same way for decades and decades and decades, that's all the Cubs knew was losing, and then the Red Sox win. And you're like, oh yay, they've won. And then, and I actually feel like with the Cubs right now, they're almost in that Red Sox repeat rebuild mode where they're okay we did it once now we're doing it again we think like with you and i having gone to the convention and the cubs are are almost underlyingly saying 23 is we're building but 24 we're going for is what i'm feeling and hearing the yankees just go for it all the time um they just do. They have the money. So do the Cubs. We know they have the money. The three point eight billion that they made, yeah, uh, proves to us that they have them. They do have the money. So could they have done what the Mets owner has had done? We'll talk about the NL East in a bit. Um, yeah, they could have, but they chose not to. Well, <laughs> should they need reinforcements at the trade deadline? The Yankees are going to be no strangers spending the money to do it. Correct. Um, so let's go ahead and go through the rest of the additions for the East. We're moving on to the Blue Jays. They added first baseman Brandon Belt. They added outfielder Kevin Kiermeyer, the brother of the uh, head's groundkeeper, head's groundkeeper at Wrigley Field, which I think is always funny. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> starting pitcher Chris Bassett they added, and then they traded with the Arizona Diamondbacks for outfield Dalton Marshall. Uh, Tampa Bay was very light so far this offseason. They really only Im- added impact pitcher uh, Zach Eflin, who played for the World Series uh, participating Philadelphia Phillies. Yep. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles added um, um, former Cub Michael Given, yep. relief pitcher. Uh, second baseman Adam Frazier, starting pitcher Kirk, Kirk Gibson, starting pitcher Cole Irvin, and uh, former White Sox catcher James McCann. Um the Red Sox did make some additions, nothing too flashy. The flashiest was they added um, Japanese um, outfielder Masataka Yoshida, uh, closer Kenley Jansen, third baseman Justin Turner, which we've already talked about, Corey Kluber, veteran uh, starting pitcher, 
outfielder Adam Duvall and outfielder Raimel Tapia. So, um, I mean, really, there's nothing that jumps out of the page with any of these teams for me. Um, it really, and it's not, that's not surprising, right? We're, look, we're looking at teams that most of these teams in the AL East were competitive in 2022, were solid teams. And these teams are, are basically kind of reinforce, reinforcing around the edges, if you will, um, to make sure that they're successful in 23. Yeah. Um, I like, while I like and knew about the addition of Yoshida, um, the addition of Corey Kluber with a, a solid starting pitcher, uh, with his reputation, that's fantastic. Uh, but I also think they took a step back in taking Adam Duvall. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I just don't, I, I'm like, eh, it does nothing for me for the step up with Kluber or the, 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 to solidify a rotation by using, uh, Kluber is, was a, a good move and hoping he still got enough, you know, left in his tank. But the, the addition of Adam Duvall actually made me laugh out loud. I was like, that's yeah. not, no, that's not just no. So I don't well, see, I don't see much upward progress for the Red Sox this year. I just don't. I, I would, I would agree with you. I think Duvall by no means a splashy name. I think the, the highlight of the off season, which I didn't put here because he was previously on the team was their, their contract extension with uh, Raphael Devers. And, and quite frankly, if I'm a Red Sox fan, um, that needed to happen. They let Okie Betts walk. They let Xander Bogarts walk. Um, they let Andrew Benintendi walk now on the White Sox. I mean, they needed to hang on to one of their homegrown players, and they committed to Devers over the offseason a, essentially a 10-year or returned into, sorry, an 11-year kind of $313 million contract. Um, I'm sorry. I, I read that wrong. So it starts in 2024. It's a 10-year deal, $313 million, where he's making upwards of annual average annual value of about $33 million a year. I mean, that's a lot of money for their young player, but here's the problem. They better start building around him quickly. Quickly. Um, if you recall, the Cubs were in talks to get him. Uh, they just and, – and, again, you and I have talked about the idea of anything in double digits – commitment wise is absolutely insane uh for a baseball player it just it just is um so i don't blame them for not going after him but to your point about quickly quickly is right because again yankees they're not they're never going to go down they're just never going to as long as uh vlad is with tampa i'm sorry with toronto they're not going anywhere tampa continues to prove themselves I think the one team that has to prove that they belong back in the NL East is Boston. I think they've fallen very hard, very quickly. Yeah. And outside of uh, signing him for Devers for that multi-year contract, they don't, they, he's by himself. He's on an Island and they better figure something out in a hurry. Yeah. Last thing I'll say about the Red Sox and what's painful for, for their fans right now is they, uh, Last offseason signed, of course, Trevor's story, one of the big shortstops to play second base for them to a huge deal. Yeah. Um, he's going into the season injured. Uh, he is not. He's going to be needing surgery, and he's not going to be starting the season with that team. Um, kind of no word on how long he's going to be out. But, yeah, this team has a lot of aches and pains, a lot of, a lot of holes. Um, and right now, as we can see, looking at the AL lease, and we'll wrap it up this way, you know, we have three teams that 
we know are going to be around the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the, and the Rays. Um, but I think if, if the Cubs and Sox this year find themselves um, playing the, the, the Orioles here in Chicago or at Camden Yards, uh, that's not going to be an easy game either. No, not at all. I, and I think they, I think they, I think they put themselves on the map last year. The Orioles—they've put themselves on the map as a team to be reckoned with. And uh, like I said, I think you and I are both quietly rooting for them to make some serious noise and make the playoffs. Absolutely, absolutely. The um, the first games that the Cubs and the Sox play against the AL East, the Cubs actually looks like they will be playing the first AL East team, um, the Tampa Bay uh, Rays. They'll be playing them in a series at home May 29th through 31st. And then for the Sox, the first game they have against the AL East will, in fact, be the Orioles, April 14th through 16th. So you bet your ass I'll be there (laughs) with those games because I I just want to see them play the Orioles. I'm the Orioles. Love to see some good young players uh, kind of uh, whacking the ball around. Yeah. Guaranteed right there. Um, excellent. So let's move on to the NL East. Um, let's go ahead and pull up those NL East standings for 2022. Of course, as always, we're starting at the top. Um, now, the top of this division was very interesting because you had Atlanta walking away with the first spot winning the division with 101 wins and 61 losses with a plus 180 run differential. But yep. the Mets were right there with them, 101-61. The only reason uh, the how this works, the only reason the Atlanta Braves won the division is because they had the better record um, against the division, against the Mets. Therefore, they got that first spot. Um, but then rounding it out, we have the Phillies that were in third place. They made, a wild, made it as a wild card team along with the Mets. They won 87 games, still had that positive run differential. And uh, here in the basement, they had the Marlins at 69 wins. And then the Nationals were the worst team in baseball last year with a measly 55 wins, 107 losses, with a negative 252 run differential, which is just the exact opposite of the Yankees. That's an astonishing number. So that rounds out the NL East in 2022. Yeah. Um, Watching Atlanta and New York battle uh, for the last couple of weeks was a lot of fun. Um, Personally, I was rooting for Atlanta just because I've always liked, I mean, I'm talking about going back to the, my days of like watching Dale Murphy play. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I loved him. Um, so I was kind of rooting for Atlanta and I've got some friends who live in Atlanta. So uh, it was good to see them win. It really was. Uh, I, I think the Mets took, took it. Well, clearly they took it personally and took it hard because of all the money that they've spent to now ultimately try and buy a championship uh, (laughs) almost the way the Yankees do every year. Now it's just going to see like, you know, which, which team can, you know, which New York team can spend more so it can be, you know, their division or their version, I'm sorry, their version of the subway series. Um, Ultimately that's all that, that, and, and it's, I don't know if this is rude to say, that's all they want. The the Yankees and Mets is, and then, and I think, I think that's all ESPN wants. Yeah. I mean, Hey, that's good TV, good action. And you know, I'll say this, whatever happens with that team or whatever game they're on, you know, Alex Rodriguez is going to be the color analyst on those. I cannot stand. Oh, I, I have (laughs) said it in the past and I'll say it here now. 
you know, on record when he is announcing a game with God as my witness, my vinyl collection gets more playtime. <laughs> Swear to God, I, I mute, I mute. Oh. and it's not his fault that his voice is the way it is. Um, I, you know, I have a face for radio. Alex Rodriguez has a, he has a voice for, oh my God, I don't know, to wake the dead. I don't know, just that whine. It, oh. It's not just the voice though. Like, I wonder, sometimes the things he says, I'm like, did you play baseball? Like, are you sure? Like, I'm just so confused. Well, I will, I will equate that to not being used to being put on the spot. Yes, they did, but they're not natural announcers. And so some of the times, some of the times, some of those guys, what they say, you're like, what did you just say? But then they're put on the spot and they don't know what to say because they weren't expecting it or whatever. I'm barely going to give him the benefit of that doubt because at this point he has been doing it long enough that he shouldn't be um, that he shouldn't be that put off by any comment or any question because he grew up in the game, talks about the game 24 seven, 365 since he was 10 years old. So he shouldn't be as put off as, as he is. And, and actually to that point, um, Steve Stone and his partner just got their extensions, didn't they? I really like him. Yes. You know what? I'm glad you brought it up because dumb me, we opened the show and I was like, oh, nothing big happened for the Sox. Wow. Uh, clearly, I missed something huge. Yeah. Uh, Jason Benetti. Jason Benetti. Benetti. Yeah. I really like him a lot. Oh, you know what? I'll tell you what. And, and number one, I'm with you. I mean, he is by far my favorite play-by-play guy ever. First, first only... Only my, I mean, really close first and second. Uh, my second is Len Casper. When he came to the White Sox, I was the happiest guy in the face of the earth. I love that man. When, yeah, yeah. When when Len left, I was legitimate. I was like, what what the hell else could go wrong? And <laughs> I actually, a buddy of mine and I were at a game, and Len was leaving the stadium, and we caught him, and we talked to him for a couple minutes, and somewhere in the world is a picture of. Uh, with me and my buddy with Len Casper, just the nicest guy ever, super yeah. passionate about the game. And that's when I knew when, when, when Casper left the Cubs, something, I'm like, something's wrong on the North side, on the North side, because there is, there can't be more than five absolute golden gem broadcast jobs in baseball. There can't be than being an announcer at Wrigley Field. There you had Vin Scully for, you know, until he died, basically. I mean, to to this day, you say the name Vin Scully, I get goosebumps to this very moment. I'm getting them now. Um, You had Jack Buck in St. Louis. You had Harry Carey in St. Louis and Chicago. Um, And to have uh, Len Casper in Chicago go from one side from from the north side which is the to me the dream job in all of baseball to to leave to go to the white sox you went to the you went to the white sox like to me and right. i know i know i know i know <laughs> i know but that's like and again that's no different than you know when a when a yankee player or a red, vice versa like with 
with Contreras going to the Cardinals. It's the same. You're like, what the hell? Or yeah. how often uh, when Johnny Damon went from the Red Sox to the Yankees, you're like, dude. Yes. You don't do that. <laughs> you don't do that. So that, that's what it felt like when Casper left. But but I um, get it. I mean, he wanted to, to do radio. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy for him. And, you know, he's been seeing good baseball lately, except for the last year. Yeah. But, <laughs> hey, it's true. But but needless to say, yeah, I, I'm thrilled to have him. It's fun. It's fun to listen to him. Radio I really TV. like him. God, he's just such a great guy. But but yeah, thanks for reminding me, Romanelli. Uh, Jason ben, uh, Benetti, uh, the Sox play-by-play on the TV side. Steve Stone, incredible analyst who's had time with both the Cubs and the Sox. Both were extended to um, all we know is multi-year contract extensions. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy be... for both of them. I've, I, I, will, yeah. I always liked Steve Stone. Uh, I missed him when he left. Uh, but you knew why. Again, that's the Reinsdorf loyalty, why he went back to the Sox. That is. That that just is. That is what it is. Um, and I've always liked Steve Stone. Um, so I'm super happy to listen to those games, actually. I just couldn't stand or still can't stand uh, AJ when he's on national broadcasts. Yeah, those are rough too. Yep, I just and I know and AJ's pretty smart. He really is, um, but uh, just not a big fan. No, I'm I'm not either. I'm not a big fan of just you know, the personality in general. But that's neither here oh. nor there. Um, so going back to the NL East, because hey, you know, folks, in this show we are tangents of plenty. So get used <laughs> to it. So. And the NL East, what I will say here is before we get to the impact um, additions for the NL East, this is, I think, in a very unique way, very similar to the AL East. And here's why I say this is because obviously you have your big dogs in the um, the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies. We'll talk about who they added here in a moment. Those three are going to be the top players in that division. But don't sleep on the Marlins. They are the Orioles of the NL East. I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they get 75 wins this year. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> no, no what you, I mean, really? What really? I mean, yeah, what I mean by that is the Orioles had those 75 wins still don't get you excited enough to where they're on the verge of making the playoffs. Like, no, no. The Orioles, I think that's why, at least for me, that's why I'm going to be the outsider, the outside fan for the Orioles, because they have a legitimate chance now of making the playoffs. Like I said, they they put themselves on the map. By the Marlins getting four more wins, you're still not putting yourself on the map. No, no, I don't think they'll put themselves on the map by any, the map no. by any means. So they'll, but I a, think... so they'll be as good as the Cubs were last year, which was but... awful. Yes, but what I mean by that is when you look at, like, when you put all these teams together and you think, okay, who's going to be over 75 wins, most people are going to say Marlins aren't on that list, and I could see why you say that. I think of all of the lower bottom of the barrel of this league, I think the Marlins are the top of that bottom barrel. I think they're going to surprise some people and have more wins than you think. So they may have a fish or two poking its head out of the barrel? Correct. That's... A very appropriate and um, spot-on analogy talking about the Marlins. Thank you for that. You're you're welcome. Um, <laughs> I, I go. I use uh, I use my Tommy Boy David Spade fish in a barrel analogy. 
Ah, love it. Love it. Also, great family film. Yes. Um, <laughs> I do this thing. I'm pretty sure people are annoyed by it. No matter what film people quote or talk to me about, it could be it could be a Disney movie. It could be Saw. It could be Wolf of Wall Street. I'll say, great family film. Pisses people. <laughs> well, shut up, Anthony. Um, yeah, Schindler's List. Great family film. Uh, <laughs> all right, folks. So that is the that is the NLE standings. Let's move over to talk about what the heck these teams did over the offseason thus far. Um, obviously, we'll start with the Braves. They made a really solid trade with the Oakland Athletics and brought in their catcher, Sean Murphy, yep. and then extended him. Fantastic. Um, they also brought in a relief pitcher, Nick Anderson. The Before you get to the – before yeah. you get to the Yankees, since we are – or I'm sorry, the Mets. Since we yeah. are – our origin is Cubs Sox, you said something very quickly that you didn't even realize you said, and extended him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Cubs have a problem extending their player. Uh, yes. Remember, they still haven't extended Hap. They still haven't extended Nico. And spring training, I almost said spring break. Spring training <laughs> is only three weeks away. They bet. I, I'm telling you, dude, if they. I'm right there with you. God, swear word. Don't. Oh. They're going to. They're. That is their imperative. Is you need it, you two of those would be great. We all we've been talking about this for weeks. Happen, happen, Nico, sign me up. If you don't walk away with at least one of those extended, I, I, I think, I think Romanelli is going to take a three week hiatus off the show and vacation somewhere far away. Yeah, because I'm just gonna, so, I'm just gonna put this up and just leave it here, and then you're just gonna talk for the full hour, and that way, that way, our fans who will tell other fans this. Because I won't be here because I'll be too pissed. So I'm going to talk to your beautiful subscribe on YouTube side. Great. Okay. I could get one of the cats to hold it. That would be. One of my cats is right here. He's literally right here. But I don't. But he's, but he's sleeping. And if I wake him, uh, I'll have hell to pay later. So. Yeah. Well, let's not do that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, extended is right. The, 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 uh, oh, Atlanta. Braves extend literally everybody. I think they extended the hot dog guy. I mean, they extend everybody. <laughs> so the Mets had a really good offseason, as they we did. all know. Uh, starting pitcher Justin Verlander, starting pitcher Jose Quintana, as we both know well. Um, they had a Japanese signing in Kodai Senga, who was a kind of a top of the rotation uh, starting pitcher. Outfield Tommy Pham. And then another player we both know well, a relief pitcher David Robertson. Yep. Um, the Phillies inked uh, excellent shortstop Trey Turner. Yes. He was on the Cubs list at 1.2. Yep. Um, they also signed our good buddy Craig Kimbrell, who played for both Cubs and Sox, uh, <laughs> starting pitcher to Juan Walker. Uh, the Marlins signed a breakout player last year for the Sox, Johnny Cueto, infielder Gene Segura from the Phillies. And then... I'm very happy they took Luis Arias from the Twins. Um, and then to round it out, the Nationals acquired Alex Colomay, former uh, White Sox closer, first baseman Dominic Smith, and infielder Heimer Delario, former Cubs. So a lot of former Cubs and Sox on this list. What stands out to you here, Romanelli? Um, as, a, as, you know, at watching the White Sox from the outside, um, I have always said this about Johnny Cueto. He was intimidating to me. I'm surprised the White Sox let him go. 
he, he intimidated me in Cincy. He intim- intimidated me when he was with, was it San Diego? Is that the other place? He was in uh, San Francisco. San Francisco, thank you. Um, he's, just a, he's just an intimidating presence to me on the mound. And for the White Sox to have let him go uh, is somewhat bothersome because if the White Sox are going to continue to get stronger, I think they, they needed him. Um, now, does Cueto get the Marlins up to the 75 win mark? Maybe. But, but if I'm Cueto, again, some of these guys in the moves, and to your point, we don't know the backstories. So uh, we don't know why Josh Turner went to Boston. Like, was he, was he asked to, you know, like res- asked to resign kind of thing? Because, hey, we're not going to be using you or wanting you anymore. So that's why he went to sign with Boston. Again, Cueto. Um, and then the other comment I wanted to make was, oh, Tommy Pham, didn't he play for the Cardinals? He did way back. Yeah. Yes. And he was a pain in the Cubs behind. <laughs> so if, well, like with the adjust with the addition, not adjustment, sorry, with the addition of Verlander and Quintana and having seen Tommy Pham as much as I have as a Cub, as a Cub fan, um, he can be a, a, a stickler and, and a, a difficult out to get when he's at the plate. So there's a lot, uh, a lot of additions here from the north and or south side in some regard that I'm, that I'm associating with that uh, the Mets obviously uh, made, you know, made the biggest splash. But I like that signing of Tommy Pham, and I know that's minor. But I'm telling you, he could be a pain in the butt. And I was just surprised by the Cueto going to the Marlins. Just It just surprised me. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly some surprising ones in here. I, I think um, it's very evident and something that is going to – I can't help when we're talking about the, the, the NLEs to always just bring up Steve Cohen and the Mets. I think it's going to fundamentally change the way teams look to, to structure their teams, how they spend their money, because um, – I, I, I'm kind of torn, to be honest, as, as a baseball fan, because I think you and I both know, we talked about it before, that we love this game. And there's half of us, half of our being that says, these players make far too damn much money for throwing and catching a ball. And that's half of it, which is true. But the other half is, if I'm a Mets fan, it's not my money. Go ahead and spend it because I want to. When I come to a ball game, I want to see a bunch of stars perform well and win ball games. And so, mm. I would love that. And and I'm I have two parts of myself that compete against each other. And and I, I'm interested to see how his spending, Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, how his spending either jumpstarts other owners or makes other owners come after him to insert new rules that avoid spending like that in the future. Yeah, um, it will be interesting because, I mean, really, Steinbrenner was the one who started that. Yeah. George Steinbrenner, um, who started that, you know, win at all costs mentality. So we'd just buy and buy and buy. So it will be interesting. I think it'll depend on how well the Mets do, because if he spends all that money and they fall apart, then they become the laughing stock. Right. So if they spend all that money and win that just reinforces what you said way early in one of our podcasts, one of our first podcasts, you have to spend money to make money. And we all know that, but I think you mentioned that specifically relating to the socks. 
and the same with the Cubs, uh, seeing that the Cubs were, what, the fifth richest franchise with $3.8 billion, but the White Sox weren't even in the top 10 or 15. Um, you know, as a, as a Cubs fan, that bothers me that you won't spend the money. As a White Sox fan, you're, ha you're happy that Reinsdorf isn't spending money that he knows isn't going to help his team. But at the same time, you don't want to go to a park and watch minor league baseball. If I'm going to do that, I'll go watch the King County Cougars. Right, right. It, it, it's very interesting. And we saw this with the last collective bargaining agreement when they had lockout, all the things that that kind of what coalesced from there. And I think this is something that when that collective bargaining agreement runs out in five or six years, um, this, this will definitely be a, a topic of conversation. But having said that, it's clear cut in this division who's the, the leader of the pack. And I think that you'll see the Braves and, and uh, Mets up there again. And, and I'm excited to watch those games. I think when, when both the Braves, when the Sox are playing, and we'll go over this in a second, when the Sox are playing the either the uh, Braves or Phillies or the Mets at home, I'm going to be catching those games. But as for the Cubs, again, another example of, if they're going to a division series or a championship series against the Mets or the Braves, I, I can't bet on them. Wow. I mean, they're no. not ready for that level of competition. No, they're, they're, they're not even close. And I, I don't know that uh, they're going to get there. I think, I mean, if they're close at the trade deadline and they can make a, a jump or two or, you know, get somebody, um, God help them, but they don't have, they don't have, they don't have it yet. I can't even think of the words, but they're not there yet. They're just not. No. Well, we all know that that they're not there yet, and we'll we'll see, and that'll be the ultimate test. Once you start winning against teams like these, the top of the NL East, yep. Then we're then we're talking, yeah, talking um, actual competitive play that'll win you a World Series. Mm -hmm. um, so we go to the Cubs schedule here. Uh, the first games that they have against the NL East this year is against the Marlins at Miami, uh, April 28th through the 30th. And then the first game that the White Sox have against the NL East are actually April 17th through 19th uh, at home versus the Phillies. So we have to catch one of those. Um, so I think that's it for today, folks. We had a great uh, overview of the NL East. Um, next week, we wrap up our division previews. We go out west, uh, California. Here we come. We're going to the AL West and the NL West to see what's going on um, there in the in the Western time zone. Um, just a reminder before we let you go, folks, um, please subscribe, like, follow. Anthony, where's the sign? Where is it? Boom. There it is. So you shall receive. Bingo. There you go. Please subscribe, folks. Like I said, the best way to uh, to follow us is on YouTube, I think, because you get the visual, you get the video podcast on YouTube. Please subscribe for updates, comment, and like our, our stuff. Of course, you can always find us, uh, our audio version of the podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. So thanks for joining us this week here on the Crosstown Baseball Show. We'll see you next week. Go White Sox. Go Cubs. Take care. See you.